0: All right, we're in the book of Proverbs, chapter number 29. Proverbs, chapter number 29. I enjoyed that song that the men sang. I'm glad it's well with my soul. Go through some tough times in life, don't we? Yet, uh, that is our great consolation. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse number 15, one simple verse says, The rod and reproof. We don't hear much about that these days. Most Christians, most people are afraid to talk about that, but this is God's Word. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. I'll explain the title in just a few minutes, but the title of the message today is powerful mothers. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask his blessings upon the message today. Father, it's good to be in your house today. Thank you for the singing. Thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit, the fellowship. Lord, we've already enjoyed your presence today. Uh, Lord, we enjoyed the time together in Sunday school, and we're looking forward to a good afternoon and evening with our family. And I realize in this congregation that Uh, Some people are sad today because of a mother that went home to be with the Lord, or for whatever reason, Lord, we focus on this time, we remember our mothers, God, we honor them, and we thank you, Lord, for the godly mothers that you have put in our lives and in our churches. And I pray, Father, that you would use the message today to encourage mothers to be godly mothers. I pray that you'd help me to not only be a good preacher today, help me to be a good friend a good brother in Christ, and just open up the Word of God and say some things that would be a help today. We ask your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's read the text once again since it's such a short uh, passage of Scripture. Verse 15, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother shame. Obviously, the last part of that verse says that a mother needs to play an active role in raising her children. That certainly more means more than just feeding and clothing. Life is all about choices. True. We know that. You've heard preachers say that. You've heard people at graduation ceremonies focus on the choices that we make in life. It's so true. But in reality, our choices are determined by our values. What we value determines the choices that we make. The world values education and income. The Bible teaches us that what we need to value is wisdom. In fact, Proverbs 4, verse number 7 says, Wisdom is the principal thing. That means it's at the top. Those of you that are in school today, or if you've ever been in school, you know who the head honcho was. He was the principal. You can tell the difference between the word principal, talking about values, and the principal because the last three letters are pal, and the principal of the school is your pal, right? I don't know what school you went to. My principal was the principal. <laughs> back in the day. But wisdom is the principal thing. That's at the top of the list. Brothers and sisters, if there's anything that we should value, we should value wisdom. The world doesn't tell us to value wisdom. The world says value knowledge. The world says value education. The world says value popularity and affluency and friends and... Uh, how many people that you can add to your social media account as friends. But the fact of the matter is, most of our quote-unquote friends really aren't friends at all. They're just acquaintances. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. It's what we should value the most. While our text shows us that a child can bring his mother's shame, there's certainly no shortage of shameful mothers today. Just heard of a story recently. Broke my heart. I'm sure that many of you, maybe all of you have heard of it. A shameful mother who faked her child's abduction, threw her child over an embankment, who fortunately was found by a farmer and rescued. The child lives today. I don't know how you feel about it. The child didn't die but I hope that the mother does. That's not very Christian. I'm human. (laughs) That's just how I feel about it. How could a woman take and be that shameful about a child? How how do you think that child's going to feel growing up? Something that was in national news. How are you going to protect that child from growing up and knowing that that's what happened. Now, let me back up a little bit, lest some of you really, really holy, righteous, godly people would criticize me. I hope that the mother gets saved, gets right with God, and makes things right. Okay? That's the reality. That's what I believe, even though how I feel is something a little bit different. I think it's a shame when a mother values a career more than her children. I think it's a shame when a mother values her appearance more than her children. I think it's a shame when a mother doesn't take her role as a mother seriously. The Bible talks about mothers and women being sober, sober sober-minded, serious. Seems like that young mothers today, their children are kind of a little princess plaything that we get gratification and satisfaction from. If a mother would raise her children knowing that their children are an eternal soul that are going to spend, your child is going to spend someplace in all eternity, either heaven or hell. Say, that's some pretty serious consequences. Well, that's why mothers should take their role as a mother extremely serious. We've all heard the cliche that the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. That cliché didn't come into existence because there's no foundation to it. Very contrary. Everybody knows the powerful influence that a mother has over her children. Powerful influence for good, powerful influence for evil. There was a time in America that when it was somewhat common for men to be wicked it wasn't as common for women to be outwardly wicked like the men were. I think that that was a much better time in this country than today. Wouldn't you agree? And so women, mothers, are extremely powerful. And I want to give you three very, very quick and simple ways that a mother can be powerful. Number one, mothers are powerful when they train. When they train. Our opening text talks about the rod and reproof. You know what that is? That is training. Not just simply telling. Telling is part of training, but there's a whole lot more to it than just what you say. A woman needs to take that role as a mother and training her children. If you are a biblical model of a mother, then you are at home with your children, you are teaching them, you are training them, you are nurturing them, and according to Titus chapter 2 verse number 3, that women should be teachers of good things. Not only what you teach, but you should be training, you should be serious about what, when, and how You are training your children. Mothers, if you to be a powerful mother, you need to be more concerned about what your children think of Jesus than what they think of you. Your children are not your buddies. They're not your playthings. They are children in whom God has entrusted you, and you can have a very powerful influence if you'll just simply take that responsibility. I shared briefly in our Young Adult Sunday School class this morning that the world puts all kinds of pressures on mothers today to fit a certain role. And I ask you the same question that I asked them. How's it working for us? How's it working for us? What do we see in the younger generation in America today? Do we see people that are young people of principle and character God-fearing and godly, or do we see people that basically just follow their feelings and their emotions, and if it feels right, if it brings me pleasure, then that's what I'm going to do. I read in the Scripture, and you take the life of a fool, which is the total contrast to the person who lives a life of wisdom. You live a life of wisdom, you do what is right no matter how it feels, But the fool doesn't do what's right. He does what feels best. He does what he wants to do. Where do you think the average young adult or young person today learned that? In many cases, they learned it from mama and from dad, the source where they ought to be learning how to walk in wisdom. And so if a mother is going to have a powerful influence, she needs to be Uh, uh, she's powerful when she trains. Proverbs 1 verse number 8 says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. I want to publicly thank God for giving me a mother that knew how to lay down the law. I didn't appreciate it when I was a teenager. I didn't appreciate it when I was younger. But as I've gotten older and as I've raised children, I'm very thankful for a mama that knew how to lay down the law. She wasn't trying to be my buddy. She was trying to be my parent and to raise me and to train me. And yes, she nurtured, but she also knew how to lay down the law. I don't want to forsake that law. I want to follow that righteousness that was instilled in me from my mother. Secondly, mothers are powerful when they trust. In 1 Timothy chapter number 1, Paul commends Timothy, a young man, his preacher boy, a man that he calls his son in the faith. He says, I rejoice when I think about you and your tears and your unfeigned faith. That word unfeigned means that it's real, it's not fake. He says, Timothy, I love being around you. You're a blessing to be around because your faith is real. And he goes on to say that that same faith that first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and then also in your mother Eunice it said your grandmother and mother had an unfeigned faith. You read about Timothy and you find that his father was a Greek. More than likely his father was not a born again Christian, was not a believer. His father was perhaps maybe a follower of Zeus or Mercury or one of those Greek gods. We don't know a whole lot about him. We just know that Timothy came from a split home where his dad was not a follower of the Lord, but his mother and his grandmother and them possessed an uncommon trait. It said that they had unfeigned faith. Mothers are powerful when they trust. The Apostle Peter in 1 Peter 3, verse number 5, talked about holy women, holy women, righteous, godly women, not modern women, but holy women who trusted in God. Women are powerful. Mothers are powerful when they trust in God. The following verse I want to share with you, it means a whole lot to me, means a whole lot to my family. Isaiah 54, verse number 13, the Bible says, And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thy children. I almost can't even say that today without choking up. My mama, when us kids were just little, she was going through a tough time, being a Christian woman and reading the Bible and knowing what God expected of her, knowing the kind of family that she grew up in. It was not a godly home. She did not grow up in the example set forth in the Scripture of a Christian godly home. She thought, God, how can I do it? You've given me this; these four children How can I do it? I'm just not capable. I'm not able. This is over my head. She was reading in the Word of God and she came across Isaiah 54, verse number 13. And she claimed this promise from God and she said, God, I can't do it, but I'm asking you to do it, to help my children. I can't tell you how many times that, especially in the last years of her life, when I'd sit at the table and We'd begin to reminisce about our life, and mom was dying of cancer. And so, as as is typical, you start reminiscing and getting sentimental. And I can't tell you how many times that she'd talk about the different areas that she failed and how she wished that she would have been a more godly mother and would have done a better job with us kids. And sometimes I'd have to say, Mom, look at your kids You got four children. We're all saved. We're all in a Bible believing church serving God. I said, you got, look at all your grandkids. They're all saved and in a Bible believing church and serving God. That didn't come from her parents. That came from her and my dad. Why? Because they trusted in God. They had an unfeigned faith. These things about my mom, as many of you know, that it'll be three years this coming summer since my mom has been gone. It's been hard at Mother's Day to think about mom. You know how it is. Many of you can relate to the feelings and emotions that I'm talking about. But I can say this, that in time, God will turn that grief into gratitude I'm just now at the beginning stages where when I think of my mother, I don't think of the sadness and missing her as much as I do the memories and the gratitude and being able to remember these things about her that she said, the impact that she had in my life. I shared with my Sunday school class this morning, one of the greatest blessings of my life and ministry was the approval of my own mother. I mean, you talk about a powerful, powerful influence to be a preacher. And hey, any of you, if you've ever been a preacher or a pastor, you know that the world, the flesh, and the devil is going to beat up on you from every angle. There's going to be times when you just think you can't even get your head above the water. You think you're a total loser. You think that you're a failure. There's You're not doing any good. You're not making any difference. The devil will just magnify that. But to have a mama who's proud of you because you're a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I got news for you. That's a powerful, powerful thing. All thy children shall be taught of the Lord. You know, I realize that doctrinally, that that's talking about the nation of Israel. But my mama claimed it from the heart. And I can tell you this, God honored that. And God blessed. I remember when I was had went astray as a sophomore in high school, and I'd started getting into some trouble and started wanting to go a different direction in my life rather than serve God. I remember the first time I went out with some friends and I don't know if I got into mischief, but I was trying to get into mischief. And in my attempt to get into mischief, mischief, I had borrowed my middle sister's Chevy Love pickup truck. I had it full of friends. Had three, I mean, if you've ever been in a Chevy Love pickup, they're small. We had four in the front. I was supposed to have a couple friends in the back, had a camper cover. Praise the Lord, one of them went back into the house to get something, and we didn't wait, we took off. Got about a quarter of a mile down the road, hit a sharp curve I wasn't expected, rolled that truck three times. With all of those friends in it. Fortunately, no one was seriously hurt. I got home, we we're in the basement of the parsonage and mom's doctoring up my shoulder. I still got a got about a 50 cent piece sized scar right here on my shoulder. Mom's doctoring it up. I'm kind of in shock, kind of in pain and didn't know what to think. My mom said these words. She said, son, I think God's trying to get your attention. When she said those words, it was no, I didn't bristle. It was no shock. I bowed my head and I said, I know, mom, I know. Sophomore in high school, I would to God that I would have listened to her listen to the Holy Spirit. She didn't, listen, she didn't put that idea in my head. She just knew what the Holy Spirit was already saying to me. And I resisted her word as well as the Holy Spirit's word. But I thank God that I had a mama that cared. She didn't lecture me. She didn't pound on me. She just simply said, quietly, son, I think God's trying to get your attention. I wonder how many times that those words echoed. And my private quiet time is I strayed away from God for about four years before I finally got right. Only God knows how often that those words echoed in my mind. Mothers are powerful when they trust. And then finally, number three, mothers are powerful when they tune. What do you mean by that, preacher? Well, I'll tell you this. One of my most vivid memories of my Christian grandmother was sitting on her lap as she would sing, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. That's a precious memory. I remember a lot of things about grandma. I remember she liked pig's feet. She did. And you know what? She she little stringy, chewy pork meat, if you've ever had it. How many of you have ever had it before? It's a new generation. I, I remember it's was like, well, it's pretty good. I, not bad. I remember her having me, uh, had a little stool that I'd stand on. She'd let me stir the gravy. I'd be stirring it in that frying pan. I'd be stirring it like this, and she'd say, now, Randy, don't stir it out. And so I'd switch directions and go the other way. I I, I didn't know what she meant. I thought I'm going the wrong direction. I didn't know she meant that if I go too fast, it's going to go out of the pan. So then I'd be going the other direction. Now, don't stir it out. I know I've shared this with you before, but it's a great memory of Grandma sitting on her lap, and she'd be singing some gospel hymn, and... She died of cancer, and she really wasted away to nothing. But before that, she was a big woman, very heavy, and uh, she uh, lost weight really, really fast. And she had some sagging places on her arms. And as a kid, I'd sit on her lap, and I don't know why it was just fun to play with. <laughs> you know, in the store, seriously, have you ever seen it? Like the red, the cash register, they'll have these little. Things that you can buy that are stress relief and they're just these little squishy toys that you, for stress relief, I had no stress as a kid at grandma's house. (laughs) But seriously, mothers are powerful when they tune. Next Sunday, we're going to be giving out, we've got a hundred and some odd copies of Lester Roloff, a two CD set singing from the heart. One of my personal favorites. I don't know of anybody I'd rather listen to sing gospel music other than Lester Roloff. It's nothing fancy. It's nothing production. In fact, the Lester, the, the Roloff Evangelistic Association, they said they'll let us copy them and give them out as long as we don't sell them. Sound like an average musician today? I don't think so. They want people to hear that singing because they care about the godly influence, not about making any profit off of it. We're going to be giving those out to whoever wants them next week. Lester Olaf loved to sing. His brother Melvin said this, and I quote, The only thing we ever learned about singing, Mama taught us. She was always singing. We woke up in the morning to her singing. You talk about her singing The Sweet By and By and Rock of Ages. And he said she wasn't much of a singer, but look how we remember. It wasn't a performance, it was from the heart. Lester said this, the only songs we sang were gospel songs. And all of the family said that Lester Roloff, the great man of God of the 60s, 70s, and early 80s, he caught the singing spirit from his mother. What a great influence. They grew up in some hard times on the farm where dad was very strict and stern and a disciplinarian, but mama would sing those gospel songs and make that godly influence of joy, that taste and that touch of heaven there in the home. What a powerful, powerful influence. The singing of good, godly gospel music in the home. Today, ladies, we've replaced it with CDs and iTunes and Bluetooth, and you can hear anytime all kinds of performers out there. But i got news for you. There's something way, way more powerful than playing somebody else's music, and that is singing that music from your heart. You don't want to entertain your children. You want to minister to them with a powerful influence. And that music, the Bible says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. When we do that in the home, it brings the Holy Spirit. In conclusion... I'd like to draw your attention to Proverbs chapter number 10. It's on the screen. The best thing that we can do to honor mother, Solomon said it in Proverbs 10.1, the Proverbs of Solomon, a wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. One of the best things that we can do to honor our mothers today is to take a heavy load off of her heart. There's something about mama's, God put it in mamas to nurture. God put it in mamas to worry. You know, you'll, you might have noticed that I'm not one of these super Christian preachers that's just constantly beating people up because of the sin of worry. Now, I believe that Philippians says what it means when Paul says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. I understand that there is a sinful type of worrying, but I just watch God's people that are responsible, especially godly mothers, who can't help but worry about their children. And sometimes the preacher's up here trying to beat you up and tell you that you should not to be that way, and you think, I can't help it! Because it's the way, it's just that, that's the way a mother is. Hey, how can we... Be a blessing on Mother's Day to our mothers. We can be wise. Live life by wisdom. Hey, I, I think that gifts on Mother's Day are a great blessing, but the best gift that we can give is, mama, I'm gonna start living for God and lighten your load because I don't care, I don't care how What kind of mother that you have, I guarantee you, down deep somewhere there, she carries a burden worrying about her young'uns. I'm going to read this, and uh, on purpose I'm not going to sing it here this morning. I heard this song just uh, not too many months after I got right with the Lord. There was a man who had drifted away from God and gotten right with God. He came from a kind of a Nashville country singing background. And I remember being in a church service and hearing this brother sing this song, and I thought, wow, that is a precious, it spoke to my heart. It had some sentimental value. Many of you perhaps have heard it. I, I It was new to me at the time, I'd never heard of it before. But it's about the family Bible, and the lyrics go like this. There's a family Bible on the table. Each page is torn and hard to read. But the family Bible on the table will forever be my key to memories. At the end of day, when work was over, and when the evening meal was done, Dad would read to us from the family Bible, and we'd count our many blessings one by one. I can see us sitting around the table... When from the family Bible, dad would read, I can hear my mother softly singing, rock of ages, rock of ages, cleft for me. Now this old world of ours is full of trouble. This old world would also better be if we'd find more Bibles on the tables and mother singing rock of ages, cleft for me. Some great lyrics. As I was looking up these lyrics, because I remembered the song, but I didn't have the lyrics written down like I just read them to you. One of the most interesting researches that I think I've ever done, just trying to find some lyrics, but it popped up, and I had no idea that this was the first song that was written by Willie Nelson. As I saw those lyrics, next to it was a picture of a man that looked like you'd find him a Baptist preacher or a Baptist deacon. It was a picture of Willie Nelson when he was young, when he first went to Nashville to become a country western songwriter and musician. I'm not here to bash anyone that's found stardom or what have you, but I think that the point could easily be made as you look at the character and principles of the same man who wrote this song, you find him a proponent of marijuana, you find him writing and singing songs about womanizing and drunkenness and foolishness and nonsense, and that's what he's known for. And yet he got his start as a clean-cut young man talking about a family Bible and a godly mama singing Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me. I think that it would be a whole lot better to actually live it than to sing about it. Proverbs 23, verse number 24 says, the father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. Thy father and thy mother shall be glad, and she that bare thee shall rejoice. That's the mother of a righteous son or a righteous daughter. Are you righteous? Would you fall in that category of the righteous here today? If you were to be righteous, the first thing that you have to be is you've got to be righteous in the eyes of God. The only thing that can make you righteous in the eyes of God is not doing good religious works, not being a good neighbor, but the only thing that can make you righteous in the eyes of God is trusting His Son, Jesus Christ, and the blood that He shed upon Calvary's cross as a payment for your sin. That and only that. No other way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That is the only way to be made righteous in the eyes of God. Well, preacher, I've done that. I've trusted in Christ. I've asked Jesus to save me. Then let me ask you this question. Are you living a righteous life or are you living a selfish life? Whether you're a mother, a father, or a child here today. If you're saved, God wants you to live godly. And God wants you to be righteous. If you're not, you need to repent. So the invitation is really, really quite simple. If you're not saved, we'd like for you to know that you can be. Just simply by asking Jesus to save you. Turning from your sins and saying, Lord, I want righteousness. It's not just a matter of wanting to go to heaven. It's also a matter of being willing to do business with your sin. If you'll do that from your heart and you'll truly have that unfeigned faith, you can't fake it. It's not some magic prayer that you pray. God's not not listening to the exact verbatim and the exact words. He's listening for your heart, repenting and turning from your sin and saying, I believe that Jesus died for me. If you'll do that, you you can be righteous in the eyes of God. If you're not righteous in your lifestyle, in your living, then let me encourage you to do the same thing that I did back in 1986 after I had a godly mother praying for me. cannot tell you how many times I'd come home from mischief and wickedness and walk by my mama's bedroom and... The door would be slightly open and I'd want to tell her that I'm home. And I'd open up the door and she'd be bowed on her bed and she'd look up at the light would come rushing into the room and look up and I'd see the tears running down her cheek. And something would tell me she's been praying for you, knucklehead. I think that was the Holy Spirit. I thank God for that. Even though I resisted it, I thank God that in 1986, I got right with the Lord and I've been serving Him ever since. The power of a godly mother. The power when they train, the power when they trust, and the power when they tune. Let's honor them today by getting right with God and serving and loving Him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank You, Lord, for Your blessings. I pray, Father, that You would work in our hearts and in our lives today. I pray, Father, that You would have Your will and way. Help us, God, to just yield to You. Lord, I don't know the condition spiritually of every person that is here today, but I pray, Lord, if there's anyone that is not saved, I pray that You'd save him before it's eternally too late. I pray for those that perhaps are saved but are not walking with the Lord. God, I I think about so many people who have godly mothers but yet choose to walk the way of the world. And what a shame and what a sadness, what a grief. How it must grieve you as well as the godly mother. I pray, God, for comfort. I pray for grace. But above all, I pray, Father, that some of these sons and daughters would get right with you and get tired of the hog pen and come home to their father and mother. Most importantly, come home to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like you to just bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to ask the pianist to play just a couple verses of a song. We're going to open up the invitation. If God spoke to your heart, then we're going to give you a minute to come. We've got a baby dedication coming up, so... We're going to have a short invitation, but if God spoke to your heart, we want to give you an opportunity to respond. As the pianist plays, if you'd like to come down to an altar here and pray, then by all means do so. The invitation is open.